Coming up on this special edition of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, it's the road to the AFLW Draft, as presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. A look at the non-Victorian teams and potential draftees. This is the road to the AFLW Draft, Presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. We're recording at the studios here in Hampton of AdZ Media. And we've got the experts in the studio from afldraftcentral.com.au. Peter Williams and Julia Montesano. First of all, Peter, how are you? Yeah, good to be here. It's uh, coming close to the draft. It's been a long year, but for a lot of young girls, they're pretty excited heading into, uh, I guess, next month's draft. And also great to have back again after her boundary riding duties in the VFLW Grand Final, Julia Montesano. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Uh, yeah, glad to be here um, on a podcast for once, which is really good to um, to be on. And commentating was fun this year too, so I'm glad to get into the nitty gritty of the gra- of the of the draft and yeah, go from there. Now, in this particular episode, we're going to be looking at the non-Victorians first. Before uh, in another episode, we'll be chatting about the Victorians that could be drafted simply because. Victorians need a whole episode to themselves because there'll be six Victorian teams in this year compared to the four from uh, interstate, even though those interstate will say, hang on, we're not interstate, we're local, because they say you're Victorian bias. But no, it's not. You're, of course, the South Australians, the West Australians, New South Wales and Queenslanders. First of all, before we go into names and we start drilling down each side, what is our overall feeling about particularly the under-18s class that are coming through this year compared to what we saw last year when we think of names such as Isabel Huntington, Georgia G, Monique Conti, Maddie Guren, and, of course, Chloe Malloy. Well, definitely in terms of the, uh, I guess, non-Victorians, the one that stands out for me is Elise Parker from mm. uh, up New South Wales way. She's not too far from the Vic border, but she's uh, Thurguna Bulldogs. So um, she's she won best on ground uh, in the grand final locally, and she's just a terrific um, – I, I sort of call her sort of like the Maddie of the North kind of thing. She's like Maddie Press Parker. She's got that strong body. She fends off players. She's, she's really good around goals. She's a pretty complete package, and she certainly stood out for me. And – and there were quite a few others as well. There's a couple from Tasmania, the Haynes twins, and and up in uh, Queensland, you've got Lauren Bella, who who rucked, who was quite impressive, and and Nat Grider as well, who was very good captaining the side up there. So, uh, and then of course there's some other states as well. Yeah, you're just touching on the standard there, Pete. I think um, you know just looking at the standard this year compared to last year, I think. It just keeps improving every year. I mean, we saw um, in the AFLW under-18 champs in, in the Gold Coast. I mean, the standard of footy was amazing. It was quick footy. It was um, it was hard and tough. You know, the girls are really aggressive. And, you know, we had people there that haven't really watched women's footy before that were just um, parents coming for the first time or even, like, uh, people from our crew as well. One of the editors came came on down to the Gold Coast and they just really admired the way the girls went about it and um, how hard they went in for the ball. And just the skills they had were, were simply amazing. I mean... Seeing like the likes of you know Lily Possaway, obviously she's um uh, eligible for next year's draft, not this year's, but you know just seeing like girls like her that we'd never seen before just um develop and play really well and just have those skills that um could lead them to a really good career is just amazing to see. So there's plenty of prospects out there, and definitely the Gold Coast was an eye opener for both of us. And of course we should uh, mention uh, that a lot of pressure this year on Fremantle and Brisbane in the draft. This is their last crack at an uncompromised draft for their state with West Coast and Gold Coast respectively coming to the competition next year for 2020. 
Yeah, could make it difficult. I think there's a lot of Queensland girls that are part of the Gold Coast Suns Academy. I think from memory, it's Lauren Bella and Dee Heslop from the top of my head. That's some of the girls in the Gold Coast Suns Academy. So, and most of the girls I've spoken to, like Belle Dawes and Lily Postlewaite as well, they're happy to go to both Brisbane or Gold Coast. So they're really um, open to their options there. And there's not um, that pressure of just being able to go to Brisbane. But a lot of the girls do want to go there because of the connection with Craig Sarchevich. Obviously, he was under 18s Queensland girls coach this year. So, a lot of them want to stay around him because he's really helped the girls develop and um, it should make for an interesting draft, especially up in the Queenslander because there's so much talent. They obviously get their first win over Vic Metro ever this year, so there's plenty of talent in that team and it's going to be very difficult to kind of narrow it down to which players they can select from there. Yeah, and, and Peter as well, for those players that don't get picked up uh, this year in WA and Queensland, uh, you know, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. They can try and wait it out 12 months and hope that those two new teams come in. Interesting decision time for those particularly based out of South Australia and New South Wales because obviously there isn't a second side coming in for quite some time. By theory, there's only seven spots available. They see what's happening in Victoria with a six team, so there's something like 40-odd chances available. They've got to start making decisions on what draft pool they've nominated for or if they don't get picked up to take that free agency call of moving to Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. And there's some interesting ones, particularly New South Wales ACT, because I'll give an example. Uh, Brianna McFarlane, uh, she's obviously New South Wales, but she actually plays at Coolangatta. So she's right near that border. And and, and even though she's sort of that, uh, I guess, top-end talent for that state, uh, there's quite a few in that sort of, I guess, area that might be eyeing off, well, do I perhaps nominate for Queensland? Or if they're particularly for bottom ages, they're looking next year going, well, there's two teams up there. There's just the one in New South Wales. So that could well be the case. And and for South Australia, then they're sort of, I guess, got to contemplate whether they want to go interstate or, or stay at home because they, they do have those sort of, I guess, limited options with just the Crows there. So um, it is tough, obviously. It's not a full-time full-time role, so they'd have to be seeking work elsewhere as well if they're going to move into state. Um, but it, it, I guess it's the, uh, the unique aspect of the draft, of particularly the women's draft. Let's start by, first of all, looking at, at the uh, non-Victorian sides, the one that finished the lowest and will have, obviously, the earliest draft pick, and that's the Fremantle Football Club. The biggest change, obviously, that happened in the off-season, Michelle Cowan did not accept a, a contract offer for 2019. She stepped away for the time being away from women's football. A new coach has been hired. They've turned over the list. These are the players that have gone, so they're going to have to try and fill for. Amy Lavelle retired. Stacey Barr. Kirby Bentley, Lara Filicoma, Tia Haynes, Emily Maguire, Belinda Smith, Jody White, Jay DeMello, Beatrice Devlin, Lisa Webb, all delisted. It's certainly strange. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a shock, obviously, seeing all those names delisted because there was some real talent in the, yeah, big the frame there. list. There was yeah. huge names, exactly. And even um, playing those girls playing down in their waffle competition as well, they weren't, they weren't bad players as well. I think Lisa Webb had a super season. So... Um, but, yeah, there's plenty of good replacements out there in terms of the young crop coming up. I think the two that stand out for me personally is probably Mackenzie Dowrick and Sabrina Duffy, um, both AFLW Academy members. Um, Sabrina Duffy captain the WA side this year and won the MVP. She won, she's one that really caught my eye and impressed me. Um, I knew how good Mackenzie Dowrick was because we had seen her previously down in Geelong when the AFLW Academy went up against the Geelong VFLW side. And she just um, – she starred really. I mean, she's one that could play anywhere and have that kind of influence that – um, she's known to have and um, we saw her predominantly on the halfback line didn't we Pete I mean mm. she did have a damaging influence there but she can really go in the midfield and 
turn the game around. She has a younger sister too coming through, which is even more scary. It's like the kind of the Prisparkus thing with so much talent coming through with the sisters. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good year for WA. I have a feel because their talent coming through is really super. I was really impressed by them. Yeah, definitely. And and obviously they had a, a couple of wins over Queensland pre-champs in the first series. So um, they've certainly got the talent there and there's a lot to like about them. Obviously, Kate Bartlett is one that was talked up a lot last year but didn't get picked up for whatever reason. And and she's back again, you know, goal scoring forward, can, can replace pretty much anyone in that forward 50, which is important, I guess, for Fremantle to put some scores on the board. Um, Sonia Derizzi is another overager that uh, rucked and she played really well. And, and there's been a few that have, I guess, flown under the, the radar, like Shannon Whale played quite well off halfback before she got injured in the second game at the Champs. So um, there's some really good talent coming through and I'm really excited about what they could sort of, I guess, offer to Fremantle. Uh, looking at that, when you mentioned Kate Bartlett, she was a top age. She was a 19-year-old that was allowed to play in the championship. She actually mentioned in an interview with us last year when she was dominating again at the Under-18 Nationals, she said that she had a brother that lived on the East Coast. We didn't specify exactly where on the East Coast, probably not to give away what state or what she might be uh, going for in a draft. But there is that possibility that Fremantle don't pick her up, that she could be persuaded to pack up the bags like many West Aussies did before the 2017 season. Yeah, well, the West Australian side, they were talked up a lot because obviously they had the likes of Emma King and that coming through that if they'd all gone to Fremantle, then it would have looked a pretty scary Fremantle outfit, I think. So they, they decided to go Victoria and interstate just so then they've got more opportunities. Um, there's jobs on offer. And, and I guess that's what they've got to really have in front of them, some jobs, some maybe a future pathway for them at the club or, or, or involved in the sport somehow. And, and it does persuade them to move if they want to. And, and certainly as it develops over the years and, and you know the season well you'd hope gets longer and more, more professional and they get paid more and that and then it really does become sort of a career of their own and we should mention with uh, Derek and uh, Duffy that they were both named in the under 18 all Australian team I think at, this is actually Duffy's uh, yeah. fifth, fourth or fifth time so she's actually yeah. a repeat offender which is crazy just about just to butt in there so at, at center half back and half back flank respectively yeah I mean, she's just she's a bull. I mean, her main her main um, position obviously is in defence, but she's one that she's kind of like a Jordan Allen, probably from yeah. a Victorian contingent. That she reminds me of. Um, she can kind of float on the half back line or kick in from full back and then head into the midfield if her side's struggling. So she's one that can have an impact immediately, and she's really experienced. I mean, she's really she's probably one of the most composed players I saw over the tournament. I mean, she had always always had a cool head, even when um in their big loss against I think it was Vic Country first up. Um, yeah, so. She's got a cool head, and I think she's um she's a really good post football, and that's what, probably what Freeman will be looking for, considering um the way they finished off last year. Now we should note that uh, as of this point, as we're recording, they hadn't announced the rookie signings yet for Fremantle, so we don't know if they're looking uh, to crosscoders from within their state or if they're looking at the video from the crosscoders trial in Melbourne of the international players. So that was still up in the air as we record this. But we know that they lost one player to interstate. That was Belinda Smith. After she got delisted, she went to the Western Bulldogs, and I think it was Dana Hooker was the other one they almost lost. Yeah, Hooker was talking about coming to the Bulldogs, elected to stay. It's a bit of a funny thing, isn't it, that we talk about players in WA heading east. At worst, we've seen some Victorians head, one, obviously Sarah Perkins to South Australia, but either head north to Sydney or Brisbane. What is it about Fremantle that we're not hearing any talk of any Victorians going, you know what, I'm going to go to WA and have a crack over there? Yeah, well, it's obviously, the, the it's one of the longest trips. So to go over there, you, you are sort of that isolated, I guess, in a sense. And if you're not used to living in that, 
kind of area outside the big uh, metropolitan areas, then it does get to country pretty quickly. So um, if you're used to the East Coast, uh, it's a bit different to the West Coast and um, it is quite tough uh, to go out there. So I, I definitely think that most, if you're Victorian, most sort of stick to the East Coast. But, you know, we have seen it over time um, with the boys and, and I'm sure we'll see it over time with the girls. It's it's obviously, again, work uh over in WA, they've got a lot of sort of the, uh, I guess, trade jobs like mining and everything like that. So um, it, it really comes down to, I guess, your own employment as well. So if you, if you can't find a job that you're into, um, then perhaps it's not for you and, and it, it really comes down to the future. Only one WA player returned home, as we know, that was Kelly Gibson last year from after she wasn't offered a marquee contract. She went back from the Adelaide Crows back home to play with Fremantle. The other player that went back to WA but won't play with Fremantle, of course, is Caitlin Edwards, played two seasons at Collingwood, but she's actually playing in the women's super rugby competition in WA. That's a big loss. I mean, we love seeing Caitlin Edwards in yeah. Collingwood colours. I mean, she was she was an absolute bull at the footy. She's one of those um, people that can dominate when they get the ball in hand, and it's a shame to obviously lose her to rugby. We just want it's, – it's kind of – you just wonder why um, she had to choose rugby. I mean, is it because of um, the, the kind of the uncertainty of the competition at the moment? Is it – um, the uncertainty of probably the Fremantle Football Club, obviously, um, with Michelle Cowan departing, that could have had a big effect on her decision. But um, we wish her all the best, of course, in her rugby career, and we hope she does really well because she was an absolute star in um, AFL. Well, what's interesting to see as well is, uh, I guess, the lack of Indigenous talent being held by Fremantle. Kirby Bentley, Tia Haynes, Emily Maguire, all gone Indigenous talent. And I think for season one they had and of course she's moved to Melbourne playing at SNVFLW, another Indigenous talent in Courtney Eugle. Mm. I think this is a chance for them really to get that Indigenous talent back when it, because Sonia Derizzi will be up for grabs. I know she's yeah. a, she's got an Indigenous heritage and she's really um, family oriented as well so she's obviously really keen to stay in WA close to her family so that's a big opportunity for Fremantle to get that Indigenous um, heritage kind of back in their side but yeah, it is strange to lose that kind of talent. I mean, Kirby Bentley was obviously had her troubles with injury and whatnot, but I know it's it's obviously hard to for for some Indigenous talent to just be away from family and kind of have that commitment of having to dedicate yourself to football from you know October to probably the April of of next year on you know not much money and having to balance another job as well. So I think for them, without that family time to back it up, it's probably hard to stay in a, in an elite, in an elite football environment. From what you've heard, any Smokies at all for Fremantle that you think might pop up, particularly when it comes to, for example, senior women that have been uh, running around the WAWFL? Yeah, well, a fair, a fair few of the, I, I guess, the, the teenagers have also so, sort of stood up um, in in that sort of competition. Like, there's, there's we mentioned a few of the overages, but, like, Matilda Sargent's another one who I thought played really well at the under-18 champs. She's an overager, been playing for Claremont up there and, and doing really well. And, um, yeah, you'd already mentioned Dereezy and, and Bartlett as a couple. So, um, and there were some big goal kickers in the um, WAWFL, weren't there, uh, this season? So Yeah, there were plenty of... Um big cold kickers in the w, WA, WFL. So um, there's plenty of talent, obviously, in the local league that they'd like to be um, chasing. But just from the under-18 well, under eighteen contingent, yeah, Matilda Sargent was one of my favourite players to watch. She's one that really went in hard um, for the footy. And Sarah Garson's an interesting story as well. She's come from a netball background and um, the WA coaches have really high hope that you know, she help, she can get picked up because they do have um, faith in her aerial ability, obviously, coming from a netball background. And she's a very dedicated um, person and a good um, player to have around the club. I think that's um, what what coach is looking for as well. Not just a 
a good player but also a good person. And Sarah Garson exemplifies both those qualities. And it's interesting because just looking at the goals, uh, Kira Phillips had 39 more goals than the next highest goal kicker, which is remarkable in any mm. competition. So 79 goals for the season is just terrific. So, yeah. yeah, her and of course, as you mentioned, Lavelle before, she finished second with 40 and then there was in the 20s. But, yeah, Kira Phillips had a terrific season. Yeah, she was unstoppable really. I think um, – you know, to, to be that, to have that margin ahead of second place is unbelievable. You know you're dominating, and you know that you're a chance if you're going to kick that many goals. And one good sign for for a Fremantle player that have already got on the list, but performed well in the WAWFL this year, winning the league best and fairest, was uh, the captain of the Subiaco Alliance and Haley Miller. Yeah, I mean she had an outstanding season um for the for her side this year, and um. She was a real inspiration on the field, I thought, as well. I mean, she really um, went in hard for the footy. She was one I really liked at Fremantle as well, obviously watching her in the AFLW too. So um, I hope she can um, continue um, playing as she does and um, winning that best and fairest is a really big honour for her. And I reckon you got to look at Subiaco, what's going on in the water down there because they won all the three men's competitions and the top yeah. women's yeah. comp. So whatever's happening down at the club, they're I doing think, something right. I think Subiaco finished fourth in the women's mm. comp as well. So yeah, they, yeah. they certainly were favourites coming in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I remember in that game, um, Mackenzie Dowrick was a star for them too. So there's definitely um, talent to watch out for in that lineup. And I think you've really got to watch the local state competitions because there's some good standard of footy and there's some really good players coming through. You don't have to be under 18 to get drafted. There's some good overages out there that we have seen in the local comps. You know, even in the VFLW, you've got. Heaps of over um not sort of over but you know older players that can really put their hand up for a chance at the draft because they are going to want experienced players in their lineup, especially a team like Geelong just starting off fresh. Indeed, let's have a look at what's happening over in South Australia. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. This is the road to the AFLW Draft, as presented by AFLDraftCentral.com.au from AFLDraftCentral.com.au. Peter Williams and Julia Montesano with us. The Adelaide Crows, of course, we know won the Premiership in 2017. Things went backwards in 2018 owing to a number of injuries. The most obvious one to Aaron Phillips, Courtney Cramey also missed a couple of games at the start of the season. That affected them, a late run at the finals, and they just fell short. Their players that they've delisted, Sophie Armistead, Georgia Bevan, Abby Holmes, Rachel Killian, Callista Boyd, and uh, Becra Palmer, the one I'll just quickly pick up on the delistings that I spot there that I'll keep an eye on is Abby Holmes. Will she get a second crack and will she maybe have a crack in Victoria? Because we know that she comes to Melbourne a heck of a lot for media commitments. Yeah, I think um, considering her high profile, I mean, she's definitely a chance to probably get onto another onto another club list. I mean, for And me, she's played in a premiership as well. Yeah, to play in a premiership is obviously a big honour. For me, she didn't really show much pretty this year, really. I think she only got it on the ground for a couple of games and didn't make the impact she would have liked. Um, I think clubs will want to see a bit more from her, but she's definitely a chance to get picked up just because of her high profile and um, obviously coming onto the stage in that EJ Whitten Legends game probably a couple of years back too. They, they remember her from there. So cause I think because of her high profile, she's definitely a chance. But... The surprise to me in that delisting list was Georgia Bevan. I mean, I really like what she did for the Crows this year. She was a really dominant midfielder. She really complimented the likes of Ebony Marinoff too. I think those two had the same kind of game, complimented their, each other's aggression. And it's really strange to see Bevan get delisted, especially the season she had for NT Thunder as well was superb. So she's definitely putting her hand up to get on another list. Having a look at some of the players that um, are coming in and also going out, we should mention Jess Allen will miss the season because of work commitments. If I'm correct, I think it was with the Army. I think yeah. he got, yep. uh, uh, got an opportunity. That raises an, a very interesting question. Because the season's become shortened, it's only seven games, not everyone's playing each other once, are we now starting to reach that point where some women are starting to think, okay, I've had my season or two, 
A, if you're young enough, you can come back later on. But B, if you're old enough, maybe it's time to move on with family or other commitments because, okay, this thing is not going to expand for the time being. Yeah, there's definitely that kind of thought process. I mean, if you look at the state competitions, I mean, VFLW is a 16-round season. So the girls are they're more than happy to commit because they can see something happening from, from a VFLW perspective. I mean, AFLW is a different story. It's in it's in the summertime, you know, it's it's crucial time to be getting work and spending time with family. It's supposed to be, you know, the off-season, but for them it's their, they've really got to be switched on. And um, it's a hard commitment to make because obviously with the, like I said, the uncertainty of where the competition's going, I mean, where these conferences come from, where, why are we get letting the boundary umpires move in? It's just like unanswered questions and I think that's what's probably swaying the girls from the sport, just the lack of, I suppose, the common sense from, you know, the, the, the bigger heads, obviously, at the AFL. I think there's that uncertainty that kind of makes them think, all right, I need to focus on work. I need to get money. This is not going to work for me. So I hope they can fix it because we're going to lose some great talent if that's the case. Because I think it's it's worked in a way because it's it's exploded, which has been fantastic for, yeah. for women's football. But the problem is now that I think the um, sort of the – demand is more than the supply like it's got to the point of where there's so many talented young girls that they're all like I can live out the dream and because they're all at the same stage there's only you know so many teams they can funnel into and then some of them are going oh well I've missed out or or they're they're coming over the top of me I guess I'll go do this and and it's sort of going back the other way so where hopefully they can have enough I guess faith in, in the AFL to, to expand it and then keep growing and, and get their chance, whether it's this year, next year, or, or a few years down the track. As much as Adelaide lost Jess Allen through those work commitments, the, they gained one through work commitments. Sophie Lee, who, of course, was signed mm. to Carlton and played um, VFLW with Carlton as well this year, due to work commitments, she is moving back to Adelaide and will play with the Crows. She's a highly underrated player, Sophie Lee. I thought she was fantastic for Carlton. Even this VFLW season as well, in the game she did play, she's one of those, the most influential players on the ground. So that's a huge gift for Adelaide. They're lucky to get some compensation um, for a player like Allen, who's unfortunately had to leave the team. And, you know, Sophie Lee will um, boost their midfield brigade. I think if, they, obviously, if, without Georgia Bevan in there, she'll be a kind of a good replacement and a good... Um, she's a speedy one too, I think. She's probably one of the ones that has got a lot of pace and I think that'll complement well with, like I said, Marinoff's aggression, Lee's pace, Aaron Phillips' tenacity will be a really great, really um, dangerous midfield trio for the Crows this year. They also managed to pick up from the GWS Giants a former uh, WA representative and Coastal Titans captain in Renee Forth. Yeah, I mean, Renee Forth's a huge get. She played a lot of footy with the NT Thunder this year, so you kind of saw it coming, I guess, with the bond with all those um, South Australian players in that team as well. So um, that's a huge get for them. I think she had a really good season for the Thunder as well. Kicked a couple of goals, always was up in the high 20s and disposals-wise. And she's a really smart footballer too, which is um, which is good to see. She'll be a real boost to their side. So let's have a look at those youngsters coming through for South Australia. Of course, they also played as part of the Central Allies at the uh, National Championships. Only one South Australian actually got named in the All-Australian squad, and that was Montana McKinnon. Yeah, and she's a bottom-age ruck, which was... uh, She's obviously got one of the highly talked-about prospects for next year. She's sort of 181 and still got a year to grow. So from South Adelaide down there, which is... She's one to definitely look out for next year. But in terms of this year, I think the two for me that stand out are Caitlin Rosenwig uh, and Nikki Gore because Nikki Gore obviously won won a best in, or the rising star coming through uh, in the earlier uh, Sandfall women's comp 
earlier in the year, the statewide superwomens, and um, she's also performed really well uh, throughout the year and at the champs where Rosenwig uh, won quite a few goal-kicking awards as well in multiple competitions. So you've got a forward and a really um, determined midfielder there that can slot straight in, and, and they've played senior footy, so they could slot straight into the Crows, no problems. And Rosenwig is a Crow yeah. supporter as well, a yeah. lifelong Crow supporter, so she's definitely keen to get over there. And yeah, like she said, she's just... She's a menace with the ball in hand. She's one of the most. I thought she was one of the most dangerous forwards up there on the Gold Coast. She was one of those key forwards, not really, not so much a stay-at-home forward, but one that really worked the forward line well. Kind of like a Daisy Bateman, but taller. So that kind of that's kind of the um, comparison I make with Rosenwig. There's one player that I'm surprised that uh, the AFL Women's website has not been talking about, and that has been Chloe Shear. Now we know that she did a knee at the middle of last season, so she's had. A full amount of time to recover. Any word about her has been completely under the radar. But we should mention, before she did her knee, as a 16-year-old, she won the SAWFL Under-18 Best and Fairest, SAWFL Under-18 Goal Kicking, came third in the SAWFL Senior Women Goal Kicking, and won the SAWFL Senior Women's Division One Best and Fairest all in the same year as a 16-year-old. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. She's uh, got quite a, a lengthy, I guess, award-winning uh, resume there. And, and you'd think it, it won't really matter too much for her because Adelaide will be keeping a, a nice uh, eye on her. And, and you'd no doubt think she'd be in consideration because they'll they'll have seen her, uh, I guess, history and know what she's capable of. So um, in terms of if she was a Victorian, it'd be very interesting. I think she'd be mm. highly talked about, similar to Huntington in the way that she's been injured, um, but there's all these clubs that would be keen on her. But obviously, being in South Australia, Adelaide can sort of just have first dibs on her and go, we'll take her. And, and that's probably, I guess, the reason why there hasn't been as much talk about her because Adelaide pretty much will know what she has to offer and, and go in if that's what they choose. Can the Crows convince any senior women's footballers to move or come back home? Of course, we know the famous uh, Sarah Perkins move prior to the 2017 season. They lost a few over to Victoria. Uh, one of them I think about is Jess Edwards. She's moved over for work. She was captain of Collingwood VFLW, had a very good, very consistent season, showed great leadership skills with them. They finished minor premiers, unfortunately, bang, bang, out in straight sets. Is there talk, is there a way they can knock on her door to try and convince her home or is she looks set to be taken by a Victorian club should she nominate? Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it, really? I mean, just because of the, the leadership position obviously puts her, you know, in a, in a hot, you know, kind of prospect to be taken by the pies. But once again, if, you, if you're from that state, there's always a desire to return back and the clubs will make it as promising as they possibly can. Obviously, a new coach um, on the helm now to kind of, you know, re-steer, the, re-steer Adelaide back to that premiership winning side. So that she's definitely a player they'll be looking at. And um, I think she had a really consistent year for the Pies too. Not so much with um, not plenty of disposals, which is not a bad thing, but just that influence and that on-field leadership really made her stood out, stand out from some of the other players. And I know the South Australian youngsters who I chatted to up on the Gold Coast said that she was a really good leader because she, on field, she doesn't worry about if you don't have, if you need to improve on something. She always tried to promote you for your strengths and say, you're a great kick, use it. Mm. Or if you're really good at this, do this. And she was one that would not worry about if they couldn't do something, but they'd promote, she'd promote them if they could and just sort of pump them up and say, use your strengths to play. And, and everyone sort of loved playing around her. And I'm sure she's a key reason for why Collingwood has done so well this season. Um, and, and she's just a great leader. And no doubt Collingwood would have to consider her um, 
should she nominate for the Vic draft? Because uh, she's been a really good influence around the club. What do you think of the SA talent this year that is coming through in the under-18s? Just looking at the surface, it doesn't seem as strong as the big two or three from last year. Yeah, it looks that way. But then when you... I mean, obviously they struggled with um, being the central allies of it. But when they were on their own in South Australia, they were a really dominant outfit. So there's plenty of players that can definitely um, put their hand up to be in consideration. I think there's some really good talent coming through from that region. You think you the first man that comes to mind in terms of leadership that we were just talking about, that's the Bowles, obviously. Captain of um, South Australia and the Central Allies too. So she, was, she played a huge leadership role this year and she even did well in the Sanford Women's Competition earlier in the year too, kicking a, a lot of goals there and playing some really fantastic footy. So she's one that can definitely pop her hand up um, for that contention. And there's plenty of other talent that, I'm, that I could literally read the whole list if I wanted to. But um, Rochelle Martin too is probably one that, a story that everyone kind of likes. She's a, she's a really small player. I think she's only about 150, 160 centimetres. She's a small forward. She gets hard in and under and... Um, you know, she's one that can really turn a game on its head if she does get going. She's one of those small forwards that can go bang in, a, in an instant and get a couple of goals if the team needs. And um, same thing with Madison Bennett as well. She comes from a soccer b- background, state player. Um, you know, I think she won best on ground in a state competition too. Gave it all away for footy. First year she played, she got into the state competition. So she's clearly got a lot of talent. And that's the, th- that's the thing with these, um, with these naturally born athletes um, they can go straight into the sport and fit straight in. And I think SA is a great environment for that because a lot of the girls have come from different backgrounds, relatively new to football, but have developed the skills really quickly and um, have definitely put their hand up for getting picked up by the Crows. This is the road to the AFLW draft as presented by the team at afldraftcentral.com.au. Peter Williams and Julia Montesano from afldraftcentral.com.au with you. I'm your host, Peter Holden. And just quickly, before we have a look at GWS and then the Brisbane Lions, when people want to know all about what's happening in AFL women's football, where can they head to and what are the stories you've got online? Yeah, well, afldraftcentral.com.au. We've obviously got uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And, and there's a page on there for girl uh, for the young girls' features that we have with put up all the Victorians and we're working through the interstate one. So that's everyone who is top age that made Vic Metro or Vic Country. We uh, interviewed them, had a chat and um, just put a feature up for each of them. So, you know, you get to know the players, like when they get drafted and you want to know who are they, what's their story, you can click on, have a look and and just browse around a bit. I guess they've all got different stories and that's the best thing about, I guess, the women's footy coming up because a lot for the boys, when I've chatted to them in the past, they've all been, oh, I played footy since I was five and just grown up, blah, blah, blah. But for a lot of the girls, it's, you know, they came from other sports. They took it up last year because their friends were playing it. The, the game has grown, so they've come over and they've done this and that. And it's, it's just fantastic. It's such a variety of stories. Let's have a look at the GWS Giants and how they'll be uh, recruiting this year. It's almost like the uh, foreign legion for them. They had players in New South Wales, SA, Victoria, WA, all over the shop to try and create the site that they did and almost, almost made a grand final, which uh, blew everybody's minds. We talk about their delistings. Uh, Melissa Freckleton, who was part of the Aussie Sparks program, was delisted. Uh, Swingwoman Rebecca Privatelli, who can play forward or back, was delisted. Um, she has told me she's not nominating for the draft this year, despite, of course, uh, uh, playing in a premiership side yeah, with the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. Uh, Alex Saundry uh, has now retired and officially gone into player management. Uh, Philippa Smythe, uh, Tonka Truck, Renee Tompkins, and Hanine Zarika have all been delisted as well. So there's about seven positions that need to be filled by the GWS Giants. As we record this, they hadn't announced any rookie signings at that stage, nor had they um, 
uh, nor had they made any moves to pick up... Uh, oh, actually, pardon me, one player they did pick up, I should say, is Christina Bernardi out of Collingwood. And I was going to say Phoebe McWilliams too is... You moved on. <laughs> yeah. As, as well as Renee Forth, which mm. we talked about earlier. Yeah. So, obviously, the number one, as I mentioned off the top, was uh, Elise Parker. She's the standout, and she will come in, and I, I think she will have an influence like a, a Chloe Malloy or a Monique Conti straight off the bat. She's able to slot straight in. She's got the body, can play midfield forward, and um, to be honest, she's, I think she's going to take it by storm. If she was a Victorian, there would be so much talked about her, um, and she's just terrific, and I think I'd put her on almost the same pedestal as sort of Maddie Press-Parkers or Tyler Hanks and Nina Morrison up in that um, echelon of players. She's just terrific. Like, seeing her up on the Gold Coast, she just stood out, and she She's a terrific person too. Like chatting to her, she's level-headed. She knows what she wants. She's got to achieve it. And, yeah, she's just fantastic all around. And, and as well as a compliment, she's the only player for New South Wales ACT to make the All-Australian squad, but she was named as captain mm. of the All-Australian squad. Yeah, obviously a huge honour. As Pete said, she's she's an absolute star of a player. I mean, she's one that can have an impact anywhere on the ground. And she won pretty much every award on the, on the Gold Coast as well. I think she was MVP for New South Wales and um, obviously made captain of all Australians team as well, made the squad. Um, she just, she did everything really that she could and she succeeded. She just um, exceeded, um, you know, what she could do. I mean, she, she just gets better every game we tend to watch her and being the premiership player for a local club as well, it's just capped off another great year for her. And the great story as well that Pete was just alluding to, you know, she's she comes from, I think she comes from, sorry, she works in like a, a farm as well. So. Yeah, she's out rural New yeah. South Wales. So she's, she, you know, she's come, she's come into it the hard way, but she's dedicated to her craft and um, she's one that will definitely be looked at by clubs. I mean, it's, it's almost like kind of disappointing that she's not Victorian because she could have the chance to go much higher. But, you know, I think she still will probably be, if not the first or one of the first for the Giants to be picked up. I guess that's a question for New South Wales ACT when they look at these under-18s coming through. What quality is there? And we'll talk about senior women's in just a moment's time because they need to try and fill a marking forward now that they've lost Mick Williams. And because of fourth going, they're now down a midfielder. A Bernardi type uh, would probably play... Uh, around a centre-half forward position, yeah. but they need someone deep forward. They've got Barclay, but it was better when they didn't rely on just Bar- Barclay when they had the Barclay-McWilliams combination working in tandem. Well, there's two two others that you could add to that. Um, uh, Lexi Hamilton can play either end. She was the yeah. one that, I don't know if you saw the picture, but she took a massive contested mark and kicked a goal after the siren at uh, the first quarter of that final day. Um, she was just terrific. She offers a real good target, can play at either end. She's the 178. Uh, and there's also Brianna McFarlane, who is one of those that, yeah, she plays from New South Wales, plays at Coolangatta, so I'm interested to see where she goes. I think she'd probably lean more towards the Giants, given that that's where she's... She She's played uh, her her football, but she's 176 as well. So she can play pretty much anywhere and and slot in as well. So there's a couple of tall, real top-end talents that can just slide in wherever they need them. They're needing some defenders with the Tompkins now out, and Saundra was also playing a back pocket role. So I'm looking at, for example, some of the players that have been delisted that should they be able to convince to move up north could probably do the job. I think of Kim Ebb, who played in the VFLW Grand Final for Hawthorne and did well, had a solid final series campaign. Could they convince her to come north? Her partner, though, uh, lives in Melbourne, so that may be a question of uh, if they can do that. But mind you, Emma Swanson and Renee Forth will be living apart um, in GWS and Adelaide, respectively. Um, I, I also look through other names that could possibly be uh, picked up 
to fill in the defensive role. I'm thinking Laura Attard from Carlton. Again, her partner lives in Melbourne. Could she make the move? That That's another question. That's probably the toughest thing for some, that yeah. their partner plays at one club and, you know, there may be opportunities elsewhere, but do they want to live apart? Maybe because it's a shortened season, yes, that's a possibility. But that's obviously you know a tough life decision that they've uh, all got to make respectively. You throw around Tara Morgan as well, a former WA player. Um, she's a Colling- She was delisted from Collingwood. Is she another player that could get picked up? So there's a handful of defenders around that GWS probably could find. But it, it all comes down to the question of can they convince them to make that move? Yeah, and I think um, if you look at their local talent, I think probably the one that's the main one that's standing out to me is probably Eloise Ashley Cooper. She's had um, some experience in the tack up girl system with the Murray Bush Rangers, so she's played in that high pressure um, Victorian, you know, footy loving environment, and she's really excelled. I mean, she's a really um, she's a key defender, so she can shut down a player, and um, you know, she's obviously had some time in the Shepherd and League as well, so in the local season, so um, you know, she's done really well to kind of you know establish herself as a key defender, and I think. She could be one of those that, those players that can um, get changed to a forward position. You know, obviously with that um, ability to take a good grab and really have um, that influential run and carry, it could be um, a secret little weapon, kind of like what we saw with Chloe Malloy. Obviously, he came in as a forward, um, transformed herself as a defender um, through Wayne Seekman. That could be the same thing for Eloise Ashley Cooper if they are struggling for forward talent. She's one that I think could definitely um, head into the forward line and make an influence inside 50. I'm interested to see where she nominates for because she's from yeah. Finlay, which is about half an hour north of the Vic border. So she's sort of in, in between New South Wales, like obviously for Western Sydney and for Melbourne. So I'm, I'm interested to see how she goes with her nomination. Yeah, She'd I have think, to yeah obviously, um, sorry, Re- Rebecca Webster, her teammate, obviously, um, you know, I think she's going to probably try to head down to Geelong. So there's obviously that Geelong um, – um, you know, kind of relationship there, Murray and Geelong kind of, um, kind of close to each other too. So she, you're right, she's right in the middle. So it'd be interesting to see what she does. I mean, she has played a lot of representative football for New South Wales, but obviously enjoyed her time in the Tackle Girls because she was one of the star players of the Bush Rangers too. Question is, who can fill the swing woman role of Rebecca Prevatelli? Who can play forward or back? Uh, if I look at the delisted players, for example, one woman that comes to mind is Jessica Anderson, originally out of Melbourne University, delisted by the Western Bulldogs, a player that started her career at Melbourne Uni in the forward line, but then under Andrew Jago has swung to the back line. So she's a player that can play either end. Not a star player by any means, but good work rate can do the job. Yeah, there's like it's it's hard to kind of find you know one it's hard to kind of set it on one kind of you know player that can be a swing player because I think a lot of these girls come into this competition um, able to play anywhere considering there wasn't too much coaching considering local footy there's not too much coaching like you've got to stay in one position they they generally try to throw around the girls in different positions and we've seen that with the top age girls you know Press Parks can play anywhere um, Parker can play anywhere you know there's plenty of girls that can move around Dow can play anywhere too so there's plenty of players you can transform into that role. It's just a matter of which kind of – I suppose it's a bit harder for the top eighters because um, they came in a, a bit with a bit of a, a rougher pathway than under-18s. The under-18s have got, an exper- have got a chance to play um, in lots of positions and have got that full pathway into the side. But for the top eighters, they've kind of just stuck in a position and they have to tra- transform them once again to AFLW. So it's a, it's a challenge to see which players they can kind of look at. But I think if they can do what – Collingwood did to Malloy. That was a that was a stroke of genius. So if anyone could do that, then that's hats off to him. 
if you're looking for a forward to replace a uh, Phoebe McWilliams, there is Alyssa Mitsud who's sitting out there for uh, formerly off the Melbourne list, and we know played with the Western Bulldogs in the VFLW uh, this season. I think she kicked um, four or five in one match, mm, actually. Yeah, so yeah, she, yeah. Def- she could definitely could oh. kick goals. I mean, it was a surprise to yeah. kind of see her yeah. depart that list, but she's definitely one that should be looking for. Yeah, I was surprised. She was one of the big surprises out of the listings um, from the season because I thought she she was quite solid. Like she was really dangerous around goals, and and she showed that as well. FLW, so I reckon she'd have to find a home somewhere, and and there'd be multiple clubs looking at her. But again, it depends where she nominates. If she nominates Victoria, like then who knows? But yeah, she's definitely one that's uh, going to be closely watched. So when we look at the GWS Giants list and the players they've lost and the players they need to pick up, can they challenge again for that grand final spot? I mean, if they get Elise Parker, they yeah. certainly can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's one player that can literally make it make the difference to a side, but. The talent coming out of New South Wales is really promising. I mean, there's a couple of bottom majors ready for next year that could come in. You know, you talk about Lillian Doyle as well. She's one that could kick a couple of goals too. So there's plenty of um, bottom age talent coming through in the New South Wales region too. So um, they could, if, they, if, they would, if they don't challenge this year, they definitely will push next year. This is the road to the AFLW Draft as presented by AFLDraftCentral.com.au. I'm your host, Peter Holden, joined by the experts Peter Williams and Julia Montesano from AFLDraftCentral.com.au. One last non-Victorian side to look at, and that is the Brisbane Lions. Two grand finals in a row. We'll go through their delistings in just a moment's time and, and, and the players that were taken away from them in the expansion period. M- my gut feeling is... They lost a few players, but they weren't rated that badly. No, no, not compared to some of the, like, obviously GWS lost, lost quite a few, and as we mentioned just before the break, and uh, Queensland, I think, have gone all right in terms of their off-season movements, and to be honest, I think they almost need to lose a few because the amount of talent that's coming through their under-18 side, um, quite honestly, they could win the championships next year with the side that they've got in their bottom ages. And the next couple of years, I know Gold Coast is coming in, and we'll mention that after, but... Yeah, there's a lot of talent coming through and, and I don't think Brisbane uh, will be too worried about where their list sits. Yeah, honestly, I think for me, if you look at all the interstate sides and I think probably Queen, the Queensland talent is probably the most exciting talent up and coming for me. There's plenty of bottom edge talent. It's a shame they can't obviously come in next year, but next year they're going to be an absolute force we reckon with. There's heaps of bottom edge players that can really um, that can really make uh, damage the contest and there's some top edges that are really good too. So Queensland's probably the one that I'm the most excited about in terms of young talent up and coming besides the Victorians. Let's have a look at some of the players that they lost through the expansion. They lost Caitlin Ashmore to North Melbourne, which I think just about everyone predicted. Yeah, because she's Melbourne North Melbourne, connection, yeah. yeah, exactly. So she was going back there. Uh, they lost Brittany Gibson. Um, she was a Tasmanian. Of course, North Melbourne's tied with Tasmania. And as well, at the same time, I believe her partner's pregnant, so they wanted to be closer to home. So we understood that was happening. Uh, the two that they were filthy on, they were filthy on losing two Queenslanders. Jamie Stan, which they probably weren't too worried about losing, but the filthiest one of all was Talia Randall. They were looking mm. at her as being a superstar that was going to carry them for the next 10 years, a young ruck. Uh, that one really hurt them. That was the one that hurt them that went to North Melbourne. Yeah, it's kind of – it's it's hard for them to obviously lose Randall. I think she she improved every game, as we saw in the AFLW season, and um, – you know, it's it's kind of a it's a tricky situation because do you chuck Frederick Robb to Frederick Chorb to kind of carry the ruck um, duties herself? But one that's coming through from the under 18s um, list is Lauren Bella. She's been a star throughout her all her whole under 18s career. Um, she had a damaging um, seat um, competition at the Gold Coast as well. I mean, 
She's one that she's probably one of the tallest um, young rucks. She's one eighty-eight centimeters, so it's not too bad for an eighteen-year-old. And um, you know, she really gives her midfielders um, first touch at the footy with her with her clever taps. And she's definitely um, one that really works hard in the midfield um, too. And she can, I think, she can get up forward and kick some goals as well if she can do that. Um, if she gets on a Brisbane list. There was also uh, some trades going on with Brisbane. They lost Nicole Hildebrand to Collingwood. Um, I think they were expecting to lose Hildebrand more to North Melbourne than Collingwood, but I believe that she actually has a close friend at Collingwood, and that's why she ended up going there. Um, but they did gain one, and they gained some important experience. They got from Carlton their inaugural captain, Lauren Arnell. That was a huge get, wasn't it? I mean, I think it was. It's you kind of sensed it with Arnell, obviously not getting the captaincy um, for the 2018 season, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a shock to kind of see her move out of Victoria considering her media commitments as well, obviously, with the VFL coverage too and just how busy she is. I mean, I've listened to a couple of podcasts with her in it and she's just jam-packed. Busy. I don't know how she's going to fit it all up there in Brisbane, but I wish her well because she's a great player. She does the AFL Coaches uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, she's been involved in education, AFL Victoria. My gut instinct coming out of it is I think, because Lauren's been playing for a long time. She's playing for, I think, a dozen years or so. She's in her 30s now. She's obviously ramped up her media commitments. My gut feeling is she knows that the end of the career is coming soon. It kind of feels... And she also has a sister on the Gold Coast. We should point that out. And that's mm-hmm. where she'll be staying. My gut feeling is she's going up to Queensland to say, not only to play out the last one or two years or whatever's left in the career, but to think, okay, the Gold Coast are going to be a fresh side starting up. The Lions might lose some coaching staff to the Gold Coast there may be coaching opportunities there for her and may see a career off the field in Queensland women's football. Yeah, definitely. She's obviously a fantastic leader and stands up. And for whatever reason, she didn't um, play as much as she would have liked in this last season with Carlton. And then, of course, we saw her change clubs in the VFLW because of that. And she mm. stood up as well for Southern Saints when she, she came across. And, and, you know, she's just someone who just keeps pushing on and she's, it's more for her off-field presence, if nothing else. Like she, she helps the younger bodies uh, uh, on the inside when she's in the midfield, or, or whether she goes forward, and and then when she goes to the, you know, off the field, she's encouraging people, everything like that. And I think also that goes hand in hand with uh, Brisbane's young young youth that's coming through, like the good young players, because obviously if they're going to get let's say five or six, seven young 18, 19-year-olds that come into the club, you're going to want someone who's got that experienced head that can lead them and just show them this is what I did and, and really set the standards. And I think she's a perfect recruit for them to do that. Having a look at some of their delistings uh, and a bit of movements going on there, uh, Renee Cowan, who had an injury, was delisted. Kalinda Howworth was delisted. Molly Ritson was delisted. And there's two players that were delisted but then immediately re-signed due to how the rules work. They delisted Ruby Blair and Jesse Keefe, but they were immediately re-signed. Um, and I do want to flag one name, which, if I'm correct, was delisted at the end, technically at the end of the 2017 seasons because she did her knee in the 2017 Quaffle Grand Final. So we'll be in the draft, but will be picked up straight away, you would suggest, is Sam Virgo. Yeah, I mean, she, every, everyone, I think she's one of those loved players down at Brisbane yeah. as well. Everyone's, um, you know, hoping to get her back in the side because she had a really great initial season in the AFLW and obviously that that terrible injury that ruled her out of mm. season two. So I think she's a much loved player around Brisbane. And it's going to be an absolute shock, probably the biggest shock if she doesn't get um, back into the Brisbane lineup because she's much loved there. And uh, before we talk about that under-18 talent, I mean, just how good is that? You're going to have that best under-18 crop 
coming through, and you've added two leaders in Virgo and Arnell into your squad. They're they're one of the favourites for me next season. Like the 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 talent that is coming through. Like I mean, not just this year, next year as well. But you've got Nat Gride as one. You know, she's going to be slot straight into probably a half back role, but she can play up the field as well. You know, she she's one of those top ages that can just slide right in. Jade Ellinger, you don't hear as much about her, but she played off in a grand final, um, and she was terrific. Like she's not huge she's 164 but she just keeps fighting she's got pretty good skills Tory Groves Little is another she's a a tall forward that um, moves really well she uh good overhead can, can play up that end as well so she's another one they consider much like uh Jesse Wardlaw who's 185 but she plays in the ruck or forward so she can switch between them as well so I mean that's already just a few um just off the top and and there's that much coming through next year that it's going to be amazing to watch them if we look at their under-18 All-Australian uh, selections, they had Serene Watson named in one back pocket, Natalie Ryder named in the other back pocket. You go through, you've got uh, Belle Dawes, who was named on the half-forward flank, and obviously Lauren Bella, who was named as one of the followers. Uh, Lily Postlewaite was named on the interchange bench, and show was uh, Jacqueline Yortston. Mm. Yeah, and Yorston's the other one that uh, is eligible for this year. And, and it's great to see there's so many bottom ages uh, that made that All-Australian side because it's hard. Like, Lily Postlewaite, I think, is the best of the lot. And, um, and Belle Dawes is probably the next one along the line. Both of them, next year, if they can walk into the one Queensland club, then that Queensland club's going to be rubbing their hands. But... Um, Definitely, like, obviously, Yorston and and, and uh, Bella and, and Grider, they're the three that I guess are the high-end uh, talent that they're looking at, and they're sort of headed off to the combine, I believe. So um, they're going to be tested, and they'll be able to see what they're able to do athletically. Another one that I'm excited about as well, not for this year, but for next year, I think we should definitely keep an eye out for her, is Ellie Hampson. I mean, she was absolutely sensational at the Gold Coast. We've I've never seen anything like it. I mean, she has crazy good agility like probably I compare it to on a Victorian side kind of like a Georgia Patrikios player but up up the other end of the ground kind of thing she's got incredible agility and she's really once she gets the ball she's that kind of exciting player like if you want to compare it to say an AFL player she's kind of that you know has that Eddie Beck's excitement but not exactly the same size kind of thing but you know she's just got that crazy good um you know footy knowledge as well that she can possess and um she's one that she that we should definitely keep an eye out for next year because next year's list is is honestly looking so dangerous. Yeah, there's Hampson and Heslop and Hammonds as yeah, well. Hammonds, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Possilweight, Fakuhasen. Still another couple of years off. She's two years off. Obviously, Dawes, um, as we mentioned. Uh, you know, the, the list just goes on. It's ridiculous. Uh, how how Katara talented? Yeah, Farah who injured us. Oh, you know, got knocked out early in the first game of the championships. Um, Serene Watson, as we mentioned, all Australian. Like it's it's a scary list, really, for next year. And all of that is essentially. A product of Craig Starsevich, who over five, six years, however long it's been, has been high performance manager for AFL Queensland, coach of the Queensland senior women's and under 18 squads, built all that up, then took over the Brisbane Lions, uh, first of all, as part time as the senior women's coach, and now will be their high performance manager as well. So he's now full time at the Brisbane Lions. He's built up a system that is going to bear fruit for some time to come. Unfortunately, some of that fruit will be picked off by the Gold yeah. Coast Suns. If he does make another grand final, and if it if do, indeed does go one better and win the premiership, is it time that if another club, whether it be Victorian, whether it be the South Australians, whether it be WA, where he's originally from, do they start to then get serious to say, look, if we do really want to invest in women's football, we need to throw some serious money out there, and some of that serious money needs to first go to Craig Starsevich to say, 
we've you've set up something for generations to come. We need you to not only coach a side but to fix what we've got going on behind the scenes so we get that same quality coming through. Yeah, the offer will definitely be up for grabs for him. I mean, he's he's probably the star coach of the AFLW and obviously with the under-18s Queensland side as well. He and a lot of the girls, from my knowledge, I mean, I've chatted to a lot of them as well. They've said they've they've they do want to stay with him. So there's obviously that that desire to go to Brisbane despite Gold Coast coming in as well. So a lot of them want to stay under his wing. And that's with a lot of girls as well. I mean, there's even some Victorians that really like what he does as well. So he's a sought after coach, not just after not just um by teams themselves, but actually by players. So the offer will be up there. But I think he's probably one that's that's really loyal to the Queensland side and what he's done. I mean, he people he probably want to see these players come through and be able to coach them all the way through their senior career as well. So I don't think he will leave, but I think the offer will, will certainly be there because he's the absolute um, you know top of the range in terms of AFLW coaches. And you know, there's there's this talk all about you know there's not enough female coaches, but you look at the influence that Craig Startovich has had. I mean, he doesn't need to be female to have that influence too. So there's sc- there's scope for both male and female coaches to have that kind of influence. And we could see that even with Lauren Arnell. If, they, if those two can get together up in Queensland, my God, watch out. <laughs> Let's get some quick yay or nays looking again at the four non-Victorian teams. Do they improve their ladder position? Fremantle. Yay or nay, do they improve their ladder position based upon what they can recruit this year? I think they will, just considering... Um, their talent coming through. I mean, Derek and Duffy, you only need those two really to get your team back on track. I mean, those two are experienced um, experienced players. You know, Derek's obviously got that experience in the academy, as does Duffy. Duffy's been in the All-Australian count, um, countless times, as is, as is Derek. So those two are working tandem to play a really good game together. And if they do put them both in defence, then it's looking even stronger. So um, just those two players alone will be really good for, for Freeman. It's just a matter of the delistings as well, the players they lost could um, bite them um, in the end part of the season. Yeah, I, I sort of see them around that same spot. Obviously, adding in the extra two teams, they're probably in that. They probably I don't see them making finals, but I sort of see them in that. Uh, I guess the bottom half of that draw, the bottom five. Um, they they might have some good competitive games, but it's more the talent that's coming into the other sides that I think will be the difference. So I don't think on the field they'll get worse. I think they'll at least be the same, if not slightly better. But I think the talent coming into the other sides will see them going a bit further ahead. So somewhere in that bottom five. I'd put. I go with a nay, I think, because the quality of the delistings that they had. Yeah. I think, as you said, Derek and Duffy are good, but I don't think there's enough to cover the quality of those that were originally on their list that have now been delisted, unless some of those get re-signed. Uh, Adelaide Crows, yay or nay, do they go up or down? No, for me, I think they're going uh, going down. I I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be much further. But again, I've got them in that bottom five because I think they've got some good talent coming through SA, and, and we've mentioned a few of them today. I just think that the top end of that talent is good. They're going to have that couple of players similar to WA, um, but then there's a few that are they're talented, but they're not quite ready senior football yet. So I think that to have an impact. They're going to have those sort of, you know, your Nicky Gores and your Rosenwigs and that, and there's those two or three that can come in, but I think they might just drop down a little for this season coming. Yeah, I, I kind of have to agree there with you, Pete, as well. I mean, there is um, there's some talent coming through for SA, but like I was saying before, a lot of them are quite new to the sport, so it's a matter of, you know, they've, they've only been in the system, the state system, for about one or two years, and they're top ages as well. So it's kind of, if they get shoved in, it's kind of a bit maybe daunting or a bit hard to fit in with the bigger bodies as well. But I think, like we said, the top crop coming in in terms of the under-18s, you know, the US, the Bows, you know, your Caitlin Rosewigs, like we said, Nikki Gore's another one. 
Um, you know, there's plenty of players that will, can come in and definitely make an influence. I think Rosenwing's probably going to make the biggest influence in that side, giving some support to, to Tex Perkins up forward as well. But I think they might just slip down based on, um, you know, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. But, you know, I think, I think, I think, just, I think they just might just head down just because of the not as high end talent in terms of the under-18 side as um, the other state sides. I go with a yay. I think they will improve because they get Lee in, they get fourth in. If you have a fit Phillips and a fit Cramey, that is going to make a difference. Like you said, a Rosenwig coming in, and if a Chloe Shear is fit and she comes in and do well, will they challenge for the grand final? I don't mm. know, but I think they turn one or two results that they lost last year based upon... Again, Phillips was essentially on one leg. So, yeah. so, but then the other question is, which we don't know, is with the new coaching staff in, how the players will take to that after the departure of Beck Goddard. Looking at the GWS Giants, they improved their ladder position, yay or nay? Oh, I think it's a difficult one. I think, I think they might actually stay the same, just to me. I mean, I think Bernardi's a massive in, and if they do get Parker, she's another massive in as well. But it's just a matter of, um, you know, obviously getting into the side, being their first year together, how do they. How do they kind of um, combine? And obviously, Renee forced a massive loss as well. So, I think they'll stay the same, but I think they'll definitely, you know, improve their kind of game style. I mean, they probably won't win too many games, but I think you'll you'll see a change in their game style during the um, during their actual games. I think they're going to be a bit like Collingwood this year. They they've got their best players coming in. I think will be those young kids that come up like your Elise Parker and that. And I think she's going to be similar to a Chloe Malloy that she'll stand out and everyone go, "Wow, amazing!" But they don't start to win games at the start, and it'll be yeah. towards the end of the season. I think they might start getting a few up, and I, I think they're too good to be in the bottom couple. But I think they just miss out on finals. Yeah, I think that's me too. For me, I'm going with the nay. Not a big drop, maybe one or two spots mm-hmm. down the ladder. Uh, my gut feeling around them is Gummo will be tagged more heavily this time around. It was kind of like, as much as everyone knew she was good, she did get a bit under the radar of the AFLW coaches. They've lost some marking power in Boyd and McWilliams that they're going to have to make up with. Bernardi is one of them that will cover. They lost a midfielder in fourth as well. Um, I, I'd look at the side, I think it's steady, but I'm not quite sure I see the improvement. So, as again, I don't think it's a big drop, but I just don't see that improvement coming. Finally, the Brisbane Lions, do they improve their ladder position? Their ladder position is only one way, yeah. and that's the premiership. Yay or nay? Oh, well, I want to say yay, but yeah, I know. North Melbourne's sitting there. Like, I think Brisbane make the grand final again. I, I, I'll give you a hot tip on North Melbourne previewing the next episode. Nay for North Melbourne winning mm. the flag. But anyway. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a North-Brisbane grand final for my. I think they're the two best sides. Um, but, of course, North, as we'll mention later, is it's hard to how they'll combine. Brisbane have got that good team atmosphere, um, and they've got used to each other. They've got talent coming through. I can't see them going down. I can't see them missing finals, that's for sure. I think they're just too good of a side. Like, we've mentioned they have missed a few, like, they've lost a few players, but they've got quite quite a few good young talents coming that I think can play their role. So, um, they're definitely in finals for mine, and, and if they can go one better, that would be fantastic for Queensland. But um, I, I reckon they're at, at the worst around that spot. Definitely finals. Yeah, I think definitely, I think same for me, definitely finals and possibly another grand final, which would be an amazing achievement. But I think for next year, if they could pick up as many of that Queensland talent that we just talked about, you know, your Postleweights, your Doors, your Hammonds, you know, all those bottom age talent, if Brisbane could get as much of those girls as possible then they're pretty much a sure thing for next year. So I think this year will be a good good year to kind of see what those couple of top eighters do. And I think they'll definitely get into finals, if not a grand final. But I think next year will be even more of a force to be reckoned with if they can get those bottom age players on their list. 
I'm going yay. I think they can win it. Yeah. I think this is the year they win it. A, because you've got the Victorian talent, which has been spread out a little more, so that might be enough to finally give the Lions the edge. As we said, we're not seeing a lot of big improvement from the other interstate teams, so it may be status quo for the Brisbane Lions staying up there. Again, with Virgo coming back into the side as we anticipate, Arnell is going to be in the side. You give that little bit of experience to help those youngsters that are coming through. And Craig Starcevich has actually made a very good balanced side. Besides maybe a Sabrina Frederick tour, but maybe a Wisher. There's no absolute star standout whammo, your Daisy Pierce type. Yeah. Here is the superstar. It's always been a balanced side that almost like if you cut off a limb, it doesn't matter. They'll grow it back and someone else can fill that role. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think that's what makes them so damaging. You can't, you don't have that player. Like, obviously, teams went to Daisy Pierce and tagged her, or or tried to limit the influence of like an Ali Blackburn or something like that. You can't really do that with Brisbane because their key position or their their key players are sort of forward of the footy, and and you can try and restrict them, but if they go down, you've got another player that can just replace them and have just as damaging impact. And and they they're smartly coached. Obviously, we mentioned how good Craig Stasevich is, and he'll just direct the team to kick elsewhere and, and, and hurt hurt you in another way. Well, that is our Road to the AFLW Draft non-Victorian sides special as presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. You can find out all the latest news on women's footy. That includes the TAC Cup girls and all the state leagues from around Australia by going to afldraftcentral.com.au. Peter Williams and Julia Montesano, thanks for your company. No thanks, thanks for having so us.